You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. It was an electrifying time for me because, um, you know, there's nothing like seeing young people, you know, just worshiping God passionately. And um, I was uh, privileged to have been invited on that conference last week to, to speak at a, one of the breakout sessions. And as I prepared that message, I felt like that message was also for this church. So, so basically, I'm going to preach what I shared there in the breakout session, okay? Fortunately, only one from our group attended that session. So as I told them, don't you always hear me go and hear other people, go and hear the other uh, speakers there. So, um, so but I'm going to share what I shared because I felt this is something that the Lord uh, wants us to hear. And I want to talk to you about the distinction of Christ's disciples. Okay, I want to talk to you about that. And uh, with that, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we honor God's word. Okay, we're going to read from the book of Daniel, chapter 1, and if you have your Bibles with you, please uh, go to Daniel chapter 1. If you don't know where it is, it's Genesis, Exodus, Daniel. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> okay, so it's somewhere in the middle of your Bible right there, so in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 17 up to verse 21, and then we're going to skip to another verse. Okay, verse 17 of Daniel chapter 1. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 3. It says there, "Then, Then this Daniel became distinguished. Above all, the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Let's pray right now. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word there are examples for us to follow. Lord, this word is filled with people who, are, who were imperfect, and yet they live their lives with faith. And with that faith, they were able to do great things. And, and Lord, we look to them as we look at their example, and we look to you for the same grace that you've given them. And we thank you that together with them, we can do great things as well. For in you, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And Lord, we pray that as we talk about the distinction of true believers we pray that that distinction would be evident in our lives and that it would be seen by the people around us, that they would indeed see you in our lives. We lift up this sermon to you and we pray that this, the truth of your word would be embedded deep in our hearts through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have your seats. You know, I'm here 
I'm here today to challenge you all to live your lives to follow Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the reason I say that and the reason I issue that challenge is because of uh, the fact that this world wants you to conform to it. It wants you to, to be enslaved by it. It wants to control your thoughts. It wants to dictate the way you live your life. It wants to label you as an outlier, an outsider, or a weirdo if you don't conform to it. Okay? And uh, many times we are pressured by the things of this world. See, there are many things that pressure us, that try to dissuade us or discourage us from following Jesus with all our hearts. With all those things that we hear, there's only one truth that's out there, and that's the truth of the gospel. And it's not the popular, the popular belief, but it is the truth nonetheless. You know, in history, people say, um, there's a Latin uh, phrase, vox populi, vox dei. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it uh, basically means the voice of the people is the voice of God. If it's the voice of the, of the people, of the populace, of the majority, it is the will of God. It's not necessarily so as we look at Scripture and as we look at biblical history. It is not necessarily the voice of God. The voice of the world is actually not the voice of God because the Bible reveals that the world and its systems and all its beliefs, they run contrary to the truth of God's Word. And we're so pressured out there in the schools in our workplaces, you know, that if we don't conform to it, we are, we are ostracized, you know, and we're, we're uh, set aside, we're marginalized. And I'm not saying this uh, as a reaction to that. I'm just I'm saying these things because I want us to be aware of the devil's schemes. I want us to be aware of what the devil wants to do, and that is to draw you out and draw you away from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You know, the Bible wants us, uh, the, God wants us to be separate from the world, but not in a way that, we're, that we are totally cut off from the world, that we just leave it all to rot. No, this world is fallen because of sin, but what we want to do is be God's standard bearers, God's light to the world, so that our lives would be His instrument to reveal himself to the world so that the world will be provoked towards repentance and that they will be provoked to put their faith in Christ. And that's the reason why we're here in this world. If God's agenda is just to bring us to be with him in heaven, then, you know, during baptism, we'll just keep you under for like five, ten minutes and we'll send you straight to heaven. We'll send you straight home. You know, if that is the, the objective, if that's the goal. But that's not the goal. I mean, many times the Christian struggle because of the things of this world. We heard Jeline right here. She's, she's a, she was a Christian. Uh, she's a Christian, and yet she struggled. And that's pretty common, right? How many of you here don't ever struggle at all in your life? Come on now. Can I see, can I see a hand, a daring hand? All right. There are people here that whatever I ask, they raise their hands all the time. So. <laughs> but uh, I think they're not here. Or they, they're finally getting it. <laughs> or I was being vague most of the time before. So. But anyway, um, we, there is a distinction that God places on his people, on true believers. Not on those who 
give him lip service, who, say, who claim they're Christians and yet their lives say otherwise. But God places a distinction not to separate you from the world so that you will be untouched by the world, but a distinction that will provoke the world. What do you have? I mean, there's something in you that's, that's, that I can't understand, but it's great. I want to have what you have. Have you ever had people ask you about that? There's, you have all these things going around in your life. You're going through a lot of difficulties, and yet there's, it, it seems like you're at peace. What they're actually seeing is a, basically that's a foretaste of a life in Christ. And what they're seeing is actually Jesus from within us. And so that's the challenge. And let me say this. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And my point, what I'm saying is, don't just stand for something just for the sake of standing for something. Stand for the truth so that you won't fall for the lies of the enemy that's out there in the world. You see, followers of Christ are meant to be different. How many of you feel offended when people say you're different? What do you mean I'm different? I'm, I'm not different. I'm just like you. You know, followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, true disciples of Jesus are meant to be different in a good sense, in a good way. All right, now, of course, there are those who say they're followers of Christ, and they're so different that they're so weird. You know, it's like they're living on another planet. Okay, so they're like they're aliens. I mean, how many of you know, the Bible does say that those who are in, in God, in Christ, are aliens to this world. We're no longer citizens of this world, right? So we are indeed aliens. <laughs> but there's that distinction that God places on his true believers, true disciples. And that word distinction just simply, it means a lot of things. It means basically um, to separate one thing from another, a person or thing from another. Okay, there's a separation, there's a distinction, there's something that differentiates them. Okay, that's just the general uh, meaning of it. But when you talk about distinction, especially from the Bible's perspective, in most cases, you're referring to the excellence that sets someone or something apart from others. It's not just a difference, but an excellence that sets people apart or things apart. How many of you are attracted with excellent things? How many of you would buy, buy cheap gadgets? I mean, like, you know, when, when the iPhone, when the, the iPhone first came out, a few months later in China, I saw, I saw they came out with the iPhone. Did you see that? How many of you, are you familiar with that? And it's cheap. I mean, really cheap. It looks like the iPhone, but it says iPhone. <laughs> so, all right. So, but how many of you would go for the counterfeit? Would you go for the counterfeit? You'd go for the genuine thing, right? You'd go for the real thing. And you'd go for the excellent thing. People are drawn to or attracted to excellence. Okay. And one thing about God is he is an excellent God. Whatever he does, he does it all excellently. And when God dwells in the believer, his excellence manifests in the believer's life. That's why the believer's life, though, though it's not perfect, it's, it becomes so attractive to the world. And here's the thing, not, not everybody in the world will say that they like you. As a matter of fact, when you live your life 
that in a, in a way that reflects God, it actually reveals God to them that it, it convicts them. Stay away from me. You're, you're a holy man. I have people who come to me and, you know, they curse a lot, everything. But when I come into the room, they go, oh, sorry, pastor. You know, I say, be who you are. You know, be who you are. But I can't say that in front of you. You know, you're a holy person. I mean, they, they don't get it, and yet they get it. You, you get what I'm saying? They don't get it, but they, they do get it at the same time. Because when you're in the presence of God, in the whole, all sin will, will melt, and it can't stand in the presence of God. And you are the temple of God. It doesn't matter how you look. You are the temple of God. If you put your faith in Christ, you are the temple of God. I saw this distinction during the time when I was in college uh, about two years ago. And um, <laughs> some of you, what? What did he say? <laughs> so when I was in college, I seemed to have, um, I would say I, was, I would be one of the more fortunate ones for a teenager because uh, my, my father's business uh, went, you know, went so well during the time when I was in college that my dad was able to send me to one of the more expensive uh, schools in the land. And, and I got in, and it's one of the premier universities in the Philippines, and I'm, I was fortunate to, enough to be there. And then, you know, uh, my dad, you know, bought me, uh, bought me a second-hand car, but he got me a driver. And it's not because we're so totally rich, it's because he didn't trust me in my driving yet. So, <laughs> but, you know, and then I had friends, I had all these people, I, I mean, I was involved in, in student government in, in the university, and so I knew a lot of people, and I had a lot of acquaintances, and academically, I wasn't awesome, but I wasn't bad as well. So in, in the College of Engineering, when you're in the middle of the pack, as far as your GPA is concerned, life is good. <laughs> so during that time, and then, you know, I was in relationships at the time, but I was empty inside, and I was longing for the meaning of life. I was looking for the purpose of life, and I looked for the purpose of life in different avenues. You've heard me say this before, but for those of you who are here for the first time, so I want to say this. You know, I look for purpose in, in uh, academics. I look for the purpose of life, for the meaning of life in friendships, in romantic relationships. Uh, I look for the meaning of life in, in money. Of course, I didn't work. My dad just gave me allow my allowance. And um, during that time, my dad would just, would just give me, you know, if my allowance is this much, he would give me this much. And then if I spend it one, in one day, he would give, the next day he would give me the, probably the same amount. So it was, it was a good time, you know, for, <laughs> and I was the youngest in the family. So I was the only one who was in, going to college at the time. So, so I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it. So, but even money did not meet my need inside. And my, but at that time as well, my relationship with my, my, my father was not doing well. Even though he was able to send me to school, give me all those things, give me all that money, my relationship with him was not doing well. Okay? And during that time, I blamed him. I was a teenager. You know how teenagers are. Okay? They're never wrong, and they know everything. Okay? <laughs> and it was in my, my, my relationship with my dad was... In, in, in that strain, pro most probably because of my pride, thinking that I knew everything, that I'm right, he was wrong. Looking back now, okay, looking back, I see he's more right than wrong. 
even though he's not, he wasn't perfect, I realize now he was more right in, all, in many things than wrong, being a parent myself. But during that time, I was, I was uh, in shambles, and so I even tried religion. I even t- look, tried to look for the meaning of life or the purpose of life in being in social civic activities. And I began, and I became religious as well. I went to chapel every single day. When I get to, to the school, I go to the chapel. And then during break, I go to the chapel and pray. And then before going home, I go to the chapel. And I religiously prayed before going to sleep. But it didn't fill up the emptiness inside me. So I was like, what, if God can't show me my purpose, then what's the point of living life? So at that point, I was really frustrated. And I said I was ready to give it up. But that was the time God showed up. And, gave, and revealed himself to me in a real way. During this time, and he used one of my friends for me to see him. And one of my friends in, in college, basically, she's, just, uh, she's not a close friend of mine. She was part of our political party. And I was the membership committee head for, the, for our political party. So I got, part of my job is to get to know everyone who comes in. So I, I got to know her, but there was something different about her, something unique about her, something attractive. Now, some of my friends thought I was attracted to her. I said, no, I'm not attracted to her. She's not my type. But I'm attracted to something that's in her. What's in her that's, that's drawing me to her? This, and there's a peace, there's a calmness, there's a confidence, there's a great countenance that she had. What is that? And at one point, I was able to have lunch with her, but uh, pause that for a moment, that lunch. So I came to the place where Jesus revealed himself to me, and on November 12, 1988, I, I was in my parents' room. My dad was not there, because in the Philippines, it's so hot, you know, you need air conditioning. And during that time, it was only my parents' room that had air conditioning. It was a Saturday, my dad's out, and it was a Saturday morning. I was probably hungover after a Friday night party, so I was there, you know, cooling myself. And then I read the Bible. And I gave myself, my life to the Lord. I repented of my sin. And I began to tell her about this experience. And she told me, I experienced the same thing. I said, you did? Wow. And then she gave me her testimony of how Jesus changed her life. And it finally clicked. The penny dropped. And I said, that's what I've been seeing. All along, I thought you're just a great person. But you know what? I'm seeing Jesus in you. And she invited me to church. And I... I saw people just like her. I said, God, thank you. I found you. And I found the people that you want me to be with. And so I got discipled in that church, got baptized in that church, you know, fell in love with Jesus more and more in that church, in our church, even here. This is part of that church. And I became a pastor there, and I was, I was sent to plant this church here. So I saw that distinction in my friend, but... During that time as well, I had several friends who I hung out with. We partied together. We kind of sinned together. We did um, crazy and stupid stuff together uh, that sinful people do. And then when, when I started preaching to them about Jesus, I was a new believer then. They, you know, they told me, you know, I'm also a Christian. I said, what? You're a Christian? You, you follow Jesus? I couldn't tell. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 I'm a Christian too. I couldn't tell. This friend of mine, this, this lady, didn't have to tell me she was Christian. It was showing. It was radiating off of her. She was, ra- she was radiant with the glory of God. 
She didn't have to tell me she was Christian. I knew there was something different with her. But these two friends of mine, these buddies of mine, my drinking buddies and my cussing buddies, <laughs> what? There was no distinction at all. And their lives and their testimony that they're Christians fell flat, and it didn't even impact me a bit. But this woman, just by her presence and by her words of encouragement, by the way she carried her life, herself and the way she spoke with much grace, and then he, she spoke with truth, that's the distinction right there. Okay? In our text that we read, I'm not going to do an exposition on that. I'm just going to state the obvious. See, Daniel and his buddies, they were, they were sticking out like a sore thumb as far as the culture was concerned, because when somebody excellent rises up, you know, in the culture, they go, see, it should be me. See, why, should, why is it them? It should be me. And if you read the story, you'll see that those satraps, those magicians, the magicians, enchanters, and all those other leaders there plotted to kill Daniel and his friends because of their envy. Why? Because they were excellent. And they were not just excellent because, they were because of their pedigree. No, this, it's the Spirit of God that was upon them. And their faith in God was so strong that they did not allow themselves to, to compromise. They did not compromise their faith. They held their, uh, strong to, to their faith. And even when they were forced to do things in the culture, they said no. They made a stand. And see, the king was attracted to that. The spirit of the gods are with you. That's, of course, according to his worldview. But in reality, it was the spirit of God that set them apart. And see, Daniel and his friends started serving the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and he served all the way up to the king of Persia, King Cyrus. You see, emperors came and went. Those who were faithful to God remained in power and influence, in the halls of power, to influence those who lead the nations. You see, God has something for us. And, you know, they were distinguished above all the others. He has a distinction that he has placed on us. In Acts 4, says here, now when they saw the boldness of Peter, this is, this is uh, the religious leaders who arrested Peter and John and and they, they were before the leaders, and they were questioning them. Who, what authority, in what name do you do all these things? Because they, they were being questioned because of the healing of this crippled man. And he was healed in the name of Jesus. And people started following them. And so the, the Pharisees and the chief priests, we can't allow this. So they arrested him and his buddy John. And so now they're questioning him. And, and Peter and John began to preach to them about the gospel. And here is what happened here. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated in culture, you would prefer an, an educated man over an uneducated man, right? Companies do that. Well, you want to apply for a job? Okay, what's your degree? You don't have a degree? Sorry. Okay, what school did you go to? This one, okay. Oh, that's cool. Sorry. That's the world putting labels on us. And they perceived that they were uneducated common men. And they were astonished. And here's why. They saw something distinct, something different about these guys. And they said, and they were astonished. How can you say all these things? How can you do all these things? And then the penny dropped. 
and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I remember this. This happened before. What you're doing, this happened just a few, few months ago, a few years ago, or maybe a few months ago. Didn't we kill that guy? What's his name? Jesus, yeah. And they recognized that they had been with him because they reflected him so much. Question, do our lives, do people around us see Jesus in us? Do we reflect his life in ours? See, here's my point basically. God places a distinction on his two disciples to reveal Jesus to the world, to provoke the world towards repentance and to provoke them to put their faith in Christ, to trust in Jesus. We are his instruments of righteousness. We are his instruments, his agents. We are not the ones to, to make change, to produce change in the, culture, in, the, in the world. Jesus does that. But we are his instruments to reveal himself to the world. So we're not to be set apart from the world so that we can hide from the world and be, be monks or be hermits. No, we are supposed to be separate as far as our hearts allegiances are concerned and that we're loyal to Jesus and we are his representatives on the earth. So here, as we wind this down, the purpose of this distinction, again, is to reveal Jesus and to provoke the world. Three, I want to share with you three things in order for us to walk in the distinction of Christ in our lives. How many of you want to walk in Christ's distinction that you would radiate with his glory, that people would see you, Jesus in you? That they would see, hey, there's something different about you. Could you tell me about that? And you would go, I'm glad you asked. Right? Three things I want to share to you quickly. First is understanding of purpose and design. Secondly, develop. we need to have a developed Christ-like character. If we're going to reflect Christ, then it should be seen in our character. And thirdly, we are to depend on God for us to do what God has called us to do and to be what God has called us to be. Let's look at each one of them. First, let's look at understanding of purpose and design. You see, just look around you from uh, your physical body, the way your body works. I mean, when, when there's a, a, a virus or a, bacteria, you know, a bacteria, that's a foreign thing that enters your body. Your body fights it, and it's designed that way. You see, just look at the solar system. Just look at, you go, you know, you, you go macro, you look at the solar system. I mean, everything's in order. And then you go micro, the subatomic level, everything's in order. Everything is held together in place. And you can't help but see and understand there is a design in this world. Now, we're not going to go into that, all that, uh, the discussion about that. There is a design. Therefore, there is a designer. There's a creator. And designers, the creators, they're the ones who establish the purpose of that which they create. Right? They are the ones who define what they create. They define a purpose. We have been designed because of our purpose. See, when you talk about design, you can't take it away from the word purpose, right? Purpose and design go hand in hand. And you see, it doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter what the circumstances of your birth were. How many of you don't raise your hand, okay? Don't tell on yourself. How many of us have heard this? You know, we didn't plan you. You know, we were living life and then you happened. And then my life changed. My life went down from there. And you know what? You're, you're, such, a, you're, you're such a heavy expense item in my budget. Some of us, you know, you know, some of us smirk, but 
people struggle with this. People pay thousands of dollars to sit in a shrink's uh, couch to get therapy because of these things. But regardless of the circumstances of your birth, the fact that you're alive today, the fact that you're breathing, look at the person next to you, check if they're breathing or if they have a pulse. See, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are right now or or the circumstances of your birth. The fact that you're alive today tells you God has a purpose for you. That God, you are not an afterthought. Oh, an accident. Oh, he happened. And God goes, okay, we, what should we do? We, we need to establish a purpose for him. Oh, man, if these two didn't, these two promiscuous people, they just, anyway, so now what do we do with him? He asks the angels, and the angels go, I don't know, Lord. See, it's not like that. In Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord was speaking to Jeremiah the prophet, and he said to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I defined your purpose already. I was thinking about, a, this is the, my purpose, I need someone to do this, and I'm thinking of you to fulfill that specific purpose. I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This was even before he was born. That should encourage us, right? It should. And see, when we talk about design, okay, how many of you know what this is? Can you guys up there see this? This is a paper clip. This is a rather large paper clip. Okay? Paper clips come in all shapes and sizes and in colors. Okay? But what is the purpose of a paper clip? To what? Clip paper. There you go. The name itself tells you its purpose. Right? It was designed this way to clip paper. Multi-million dollar corporations, multi-billion dollar corporations are formed to produce something like this. And they pour, you know, millions of dollars in research and development so that you'll have the best paper clip. Right? That's the purpose. But some of us, many of us, are very creative with a paper clip. Oh, I locked myself out of the, the house again. Oh, oh, thank God I have my paper clip right here. So, you know, you try to pick the lock. It may or may not do the job. Some of you, hey, I'm good at this. Then you start a career out of it. Okay? Or maybe there's that itch in your back, on your back that you just can't reach that spot. I can't reach it. How many of you have that spot? Right? And so, and there's nothing to... Nothing you could reach for, and then you see the paperclip. Oh, there you go. Ah, right there. Sweet spot right there. I've seen people use a paperclip to clean their ears. They put, uh, in their desperation, you know, they put, you know, a cotton bud here or a cotton ball there. They clean their ear. And some of them go, uh, bro, could you bring me to the hospital? <laughs> and some, in their desperation, you know, they, they forgot they have a date or they have, they have a date. And then they forgot the toothbrush, and their date's happening like in, in five minutes. Like, oh. And they ate, and you know, I can tell you, you know that, that guy said, I can tell you what you ate this, uh, you had for lunch, what? Okay, you had broccoli for lunch, right? No, I had that last night. <laughs> See all that food sti- <laughs> in, stuck in between your teeth. So, I, you know, people, I've seen people use a paperclip, you see? Many uses, right? But all those uses are actually lesser purposes. 
Let me say this. The paperclip is your life. You have a purpose. But if you use your life, if you pursue a lesser purpose, what happens to your life? It deforms your life. It destroys your life. And many times you may not be able to fulfill your purpose. Some people, oh, no, we need a paperclip. Oh, I have this. I used this a while ago as a toothpick, but, you know, let's put it back together, you know. There, see? Good as new. <laughs> and many times this is what we do with our lives. We try to fix our lives. Thinking that by we do, when we do this, we're able to do the purpose of God again. The good thing with Jesus is this. He, he doesn't come to fix your life. He doesn't come to repair your life. He doesn't come to do a patch-up job. What he does is surrender your life to me. Yeah, that messed up life. Surrender it to me. And when you give it to him, he gives you a new life. Restored to your purpose fully. That's the design there. See, in order for us to walk in the distinction of Christ, we have to have an understanding of God's purpose for our lives and, and his design. Secondly, we need to have developed godly character. Okay? And uh, when we talk about character, that means uh, uh, we become like Christ in his character. And the Bible gives us a snapshot of who Jesus is in his character. And in particular, here in Galatians 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit. And it says the fruit of the Spirit, that which is produced by the Spirit of God in us, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. These are character traits of Jesus himself. That if we possess them in greater measure, we become mature. And the more we have these, allow the Holy Spirit to produce his life in us, the more we will reflect Jesus in our lives. The word character, uh, in one of its older understandings, the way it's understood in the old times, is the word character means impression. Okay? How many of you have gone to theme parks and you see those machines put in a penny and then they, and you put it in and it comes out like a souvenir penny and it changes the penny and it imprints something different there, right? So, and see, for an impression to work, pressure has to be applied in order for that impression. See, impression means image. When you look at a coin, whose image do you see there, right? And many times for character to be built in our lives, the character of Christ to be built in our lives, God allows us to go through trying times and pressures because those problems are actually like our employees. They work for us. God uses those circumstances to challenge us, to respond to Him. And when we do, He, allows, he turns the pressure into something that will turn you into more like Him in character. You see, you respond. When you're in the storm, when you run away, keep running away from the challenges, that will not build character in you. But when you're storming, you respond, Jesus, I can't understand everything, but I'm, I surrender my all to you. Have your way. And what is that you're teaching me here? Help me to learn it. And when you do so, more and more you become like him. Character. And that's what I saw in my friend. We develop character through faithfulness. By the grace of God, we develop, God develops his character in us through discipline, through faithfulness. Okay, through adversity, through discipleship, people speaking God's word into your life. The word that you just don't uh, want to hear, but the word that you need to hear. How many of you appreciate friends who are not impressed with you and tell you what you need to hear because they love you? I always tell people this, I love you enough to tell you the truth even if it hurts you. But I'm not here coming, okay, what truth can I tell you, Angelo? Okay, 
Here's the truth. You know, it's, we're not, it's not like that. We speak the truth in love, right? Character, the character of Christ is seen in us, and that's what will make us distinct. And lastly, we need to be dependent on God, okay? We need to have a desperate dependence on God. You see, it's not us who will be able to fulfill the purpose of God. It's His grace working in our lives, enabling us to be what God's called us to be. Can I say this? Everything God calls us to is always beyond ourselves. Did God call you to do something? And you go, I can't do that. And God goes, precisely. I'll never call you to something you can do on your own. I'll call you to something greater than you. And then I'll pour my grace upon you and you trust me. And I'll form your character so that that character is what will hold the grace and the anointing and, and, you know, and everything you need to bring you to the place where you will fulfill your purpose why I created you. Does that make sense? Is this helpful? See, the Holy Spirit is the source of our strength. So I want to restate my main point here. I'm stating the obvious. Okay? God places a distinction on his true disciples to reveal Jesus to the world. Now, I have here with me a, what's this? A glove. What kind of glove is this? It's a what? It's a black glove? Yeah, stating the obvious. But this is a glove that's designed for people who run or for people who are always outside in cold weather. Okay? So, of course, when it's cold, you put in a glove. But there are different kinds of gloves, right? So, you see, the good thing with this glove is that it's not only designed to keep you warm in the cold weather, but how many of you, you know, have had gloves then your phone rings, and you're outside, and you had to remove your glove so that you can operate your phone. Well, this glove actually is designed for you not to remove it and still be able to use your gadgets. How many of you have this kind of glove? Okay, so this is nothing new. So it has a design, and it's working well. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, let me ask you this. Does this glove have a design and a purpose? Of course. Is it designed to clean up, clean the floor? No. It's designed to keep your hands warm and give you an extra bonus feature. Extra and bonus, it's repetitious. It's, uh, what do you call this? It's, it's um, repetitiously redundant for the second time around. <laughs> See, the purpose is to keep your hands warm. It has a purpose and a design. And look, does this glove have an image? What image do you see here? The image of a hand. So if I put my foot there, will it work? No. But you see, can a glove point the direction? Where, If you ask direction, can, can a glove tell you where to go on its own? Can a glove wave at you? you I'll run away if a glove just, just floats and waves at me. I'm going to run away. Can a glove shake your hand? You see, you need purpose and you need, you need the image of God. But for you to completely fulfill your purpose of God, you need to have Him in your life. You see, it's His image that's stamped upon you. And when He is in you, when you depend on Him, when you depend on His strength, guess what? See, the glove can do a lot of things. See, the glove can say hi to you. And the glove can fulfill its purpose. The glove can point the direction. The glove can shake your hand. I can sh- I'd like to shake your hand, Larry, but I can't. Okay? The glove can wave at you right there. 
See, the glove can do all things through him who gives him strength. This is our lives. Understand design, develop character of Christ, and full dependence on the Holy Spirit in our lives. We will be able to do all things. It's not just a saying. It's not just something that you put on, on your Under Armour, Steph Curry, two shoes. I can do all things. No, it's something far greater than that. It's talking about your destiny in God. Amen? Let's all stand right now. Let's pray. By the way, next week, we are beginning a brand new series because it's March and it's Easter. Easter comes early this year. And so we're beginning a four-week series, uh, an Easter series entitled Jesus on Trial. Okay? We're going to look at Jesus being accused, being cross-examined, and being held in contempt. And then on Easter Sunday, March 27, we're going to look at all these things, Jesus, you know, closing the case by his resurrection. Okay? So that's going to be exciting. So, but anyway, let's just pray right now. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you, God, that, Lord, you, we, we are significant to you. Lord, who are we? Compared to all your creations in this, in this universe, Lord God, who are we? What are we? And yet you see us as valuable. You put your stamp in us, your image in us. And Lord, I pray that we would not run away from the very reason why you created us. We would not run away from our purpose. That we would not settle for lesser purposes. Lord, that we would, Lord, desire to know you and to seek you with all our hearts. To pursue you with all our hearts. And to live for you. Lord, that we would invest our lives in 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 giving of ourselves so that you can build your character. You can mold us into your character. And that, Lord, we offer ourselves to you, spirit, soul, and body, so that you can dwell in us and empower us so that we can be the people you've called us to be. Lord, the people whom you will use to be your light to this world. You are the light of the world. And yet you told your disciples, Lord, when you went to the Father, and you gave them the Holy Spirit as their new counselor to be with them forever. You said to them, to, to your disciples, you are, you are the light of the world. And that's true for us as well. Lord, we are the light of the world because you dwell in us. So Lord, may we depend on you completely. Lord, may we not depend on our logic. Lord, all these things are good, but if they're, if they're not submitted to you, we will be just like the world. There will be no distinction. And our lives will be powerless. We will have no impact in the lives of others. But as we surrender to you, you're going to use us in a mighty way to affect not just the lives of people, but even their eternal destinies. And Lord, today, thank you that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And you're, you're transforming us to become more like you. Lord, our prayer is that we would be so submitted that more and more you will be seen in and through us. That when people look at us, look at our lives, and look at our and hear our words, they would say, Jesus is in you. I want Jesus. I want the Jesus that you have. How can I know Jesus the way you do? Lord, I pray that we would all, Lord, be so anointed by your Spirit that our very lives would provoke the world around us. And that you would convict the people around us 
Lord, through our lives. We are your letter to the world. Our lives are your letters. And so right now, we offer ourselves to you and say, here we are, Lord. Use us for your glory. And Lord, we repent of pursuing lesser purposes. Lord, our greatest ambitions in life are all lesser purposes compared to your purpose and design for us. Pursue your purpose for kingdom and your righteousness and all these things will be added to us. But Lord, let Lord have your way in our lives and we pray that you would be seen in and through us. Lord, cleanse us, make us holy so that you can reveal yourself to the world through us. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and Savior and Master.